Are you afraid of the Slender Man? Hey you, my name's Harmony, and welcome to this episode of What the Actual F. Alright, so for this episode, we're gonna kind of mix two different genres. We're gonna go spooky horror, kinda scary story, and we're gonna throw in a little bit of murder. You, you catch what I'm laying down? No? No, you don't get it? Alright, let me lay it down for you better. In 2014, three 12-year-old girls went out in the woods to play hide-and-seek. While out there, two of the girls proceeded to stab the third 19 times before leaving her for dead. Their reason? Because Slenderman told them to. What? <laughs> no. The whole thing sounds like this is something out of a horror movie, right? Something that you'd see a trailer for and you'd be like, oh dude, that sounds kind of dope. I want to see that. However, the Slender Man stabbing actually happened. And I'm sure if you've heard of it, you were captivated by it. But in case you haven't, stick around because that's exactly what I'm going to tell you about today. Time to get a little bit spooky. Time to get a little bit out of control. Alright guys, let's mix two of my favorite genres ever. Creepy stories of paranormal entities. And murder. Okay, I think right here is where I should go ahead and just like stop this segment and put on a soundbite because I'm getting weird. Don't want to scare all the first time listeners away this early in the show. No, no, that's like a three quarters through the show thing. And with that, here we go. shocking things about this whole story that I'm going to tell you is that all of the girls involved were only 12 years old. I personally have a 13 year old son who is going to be 14 this year. And to think of children even close to his age encountering this or doing this sort of thing just blows my mind. But again, <laughs> look around at our world today. Should we really be that shocked? Now, one of the perpetrators, Morgan Geyser, had become friends with Peyton Lautner. I could be saying Morgan's name incorrectly. I've heard it a few different ways, so please just bear with me. 
When you are someone who speaks more than one language, well, sometimes you do tend to just go with the flow. Some people would also refer to Peyton Lautner as Bella, you know, like close friends of hers. Let's think of it as like James Bond, you know, Bond if you are, well, a spy of sorts, you know, he's the bad 007 Bond. But James if you're like a friend, you know, someone he goes and has a barbecue lunch with. So Bella was her name with her friends. Both girls were in fourth grade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Side note, before the Slenderman stabbings, Wakisha was actually heavily known for being this place of having famous healing waters. In fact, in the late 19th century, people would come from all over the globe to try these healing waters in order to like heal and relax in this resort town. However, this era did end up coming to an end and Makisha became more known for its uh, major manufacturing of water, beer, soda, dairy products, iron, and steel. Of course, that is all until this occurred. Now Morgan would later say that Peyton, the victim who was stabbed, had been her only and closest friend for a long time. Which kind of makes this even more fucked up. Now, I remember getting mad at my friends when I was a kid, but like at no point in time was I ever like, you know what I think I want to do to you? <laughs> a little bit of stab, stab, mother... No, like that just didn't go through my head. Now, the second perpetrator's name was Anissa Wire, and she came into this friendship a few years after Morgan and Peyton, aka Bella, had met. The girls were a tight-knit group at school and at home. They would have sleepovers, they talked on the internet, and they even played games with their American Girl dolls. Just typical 12-year-old kids. Although they were a bit like social misfits at their school, they really were what you'd consider just your normal, average, everyday 12-year-old girl. Best friends that do what best friends do. That was until, of course, exactly why we are here today talking about them. Because, like, let's be honest, I don't feel comfortable just talking about 12-year-old girls, that's just fucking weird. But when three girls go to play hide-and-seek and two of them try to kill the other, well, I feel like we should be talking about it. Now we're gonna talk about what exactly went down on that day in May of 2014, when Morgan and Anissa attempted to stab their best friend to death in the woods. All in the name of Slenderman! <laughs> I don't know why I went with that voice. I was trying to actually go creepy. It sounded better in my head. I probably should have left it in my head. On Saturday, May 31st, 2014, at approximately 9.50 a.m., the Waukesha Police Department was notified by a concerned citizen that a 12-year-old girl was stabbed in the area of Big Bend Road in the city of Waukesha. The stabbing brought a huge police presence to the area, a major search by ground and air, looking for two other girls. Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser are accused of stabbing their friends and leaving her for dead. Wire and Geyser lured Peyton into the woods. Police say that's when Geyser, holding the knife, was told by Weir, go ballistic, go crazy. On May 30th, 2014, and this is going to bring back a lot of memories for my fellow millennials out there, the girls went to a local skating rink for Morgan's birthday. They also had a sleepover that night. For Peyton, things seemed fairly normal. 
having no idea at all that Anissa and Morgan had a very sinister plan on their minds. Now the two girls seemed to be a few fries short of a happy meal because they were convinced that they had to kill their friend as a blood sacrifice, all in order to gain favor with the internet horror icon known as Slenderman. Morgan in particular seemed to be a bit more obsessed with this fictional villain. Morgan often said that he was everywhere and that he could kill anyone in three seconds flat. Anissa and Morgan became convinced that not only was this creature absolutely real, but he would kill their families if they did not in fact kill Peyton. Listen, we're gonna take a side note, just gonna step away from the episode for like a quick second. Anybody who knows me in real life, if you ever come to me and say that Slender Man is telling you you need to kill somebody, I am not the person and today is not the day. Because I love you and I'm gonna have your ass committed. I am not killing anybody for some creepy pasta. Maybe you should go take a lie down, talk to somebody, and then we can revisit the topic in say like two weeks. After you've had a good rest and a few uh, sessions with a therapist. Now that we have that clear, let's get back to the episode. Now, these girls were so delusional in this whole theory when it came to Slenderman. They believed that they were going to end up living with him after they stabbed Peyton. They believed that they would become monster children and that they would live in a mansion in the woods with him for all of eternity. Jesus, what grim fairy tales were they growing up reading? I mean, I liked a lot of scary stuff as a kid, but uh, I, don't, I don't know, this one, this one's a little bit too dark for me. Now, what you're probably wondering right now, okay, so how did we get from A to B? Like, how did these girls find this thing on the internet and then all of a sudden they're like, if we kill her, <laughs> we're gonna live in a mansion in the woods. Oh, it's so evil genius, I love it. But it, you know, like, how did it get there? I, uh, let's, let's try to break this down more. Now they assumed that he would finally appear to them only and if they did complete this stabbing. So they'd never seen him, you know, but uh, they were sure and positive he was always around, he was always lurking, he was like, I'm watching you. He's like Santa Claus's evil cousin. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. So watch out now cause he's behind you for goodness sake. Oh, slender man, slender man. Okay, I'll stop. So the two lure Peyton into the woods with a promise of playing hide and seek in the very early morning hours of May 31st. I mean, that sounds like it could only end positively. Once they arrived in the woods, the two girls immediately turned on Peyton. They grabbed her and set on her and then pulled out a knife. This is when the two began to argue briefly though for a moment about who was supposed to actually do the killing. This is when Anissa finally told Morgan, you know what, just go ballistic. And the birthday girl started plunging the knife into her friend over and over and over again. All as she was whispering, I'm sorry, I am so sorry, in the ear of her best friend as she did it. Peyton would be stabbed a total of 19 times. Again, by her best friend. See, see, and y'all think I'm weird because I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> this is why. You know that saying, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. No, no, no. Keep your enemies close and keep your friends closer. 
If I know a thing or two about a thing or two, especially when it comes to murder, it's usually the ones closest to you that are planning and plotting your grisly demise. So all I gotta say to that is, you better watch out, you better not cry, you sit there and I'm telling you why, cause Slenderman is coming tonight. Y'all, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna stop. Peyton said, then she started. Geyser began to stab the 12-year-old as she screamed 19 times with a 5-inch blade. In the arms, legs, and torso. One of the knife wounds missed a major artery near her heart by just a millimeter. Peyton somehow survived. She crawled out of those woods. A bicyclist found her on the sidewalk, covered in blood and begging for help. When asked who attacked her, she said, my best friend. Although May 31st ended up being the actual day that the pair of girls tried to kill their friend Peyton, it was not their original intent. This evil duo had actually started planning the stabbing months before, but they didn't make a set plan. Then, when Morgan planned her birthday party, the duo formulated their attack. They decided they would tape her mouth shut, then cut her neck with the knife. Then, they would cover her with a blanket and leave her while people thought she was sleeping. But after they started feeling anxious about the plan because there was no way to clean, they instead planned to kill her the next day. They went to a park and decided to kill Peyton in the bathroom because it had a drain. When Anissa and Morgan tried to grab her, however, she fought them off and the two stopped. Neither wanted to actually be the one to do the stabbing and they couldn't decide who would actually end up doing it. They struggled and then Morgan panicked. And then suddenly, the brief altercation was over. They apologized to their friend for fighting, and the three made up before going out for their fateful game of hide-and-seek. When the trio were finally back to playing hide-and-seek, Anissa and Morgan striked again. They cornered Peyton, and this time, they successfully ended up hurting her. Sawir and Morgan Geyser were found walking near the interstate. They later told police they planned to walk to Slenderman's mansion. Police say it's also who the young suspects claimed they wanted to please. Anissa felt as though she needed to prove that Slenderman existed and would be able to do that by killing somebody. And Morgan said that uh, her family would be in danger if they didn't. Prosecutors have charged the girls as adults. If convicted on the charges, each 12-year-old faces up to 65 years in prison. Despite just being 12 years old, Peyton wasn't going down that easy. As she was being stabbed, she screamed she hated the girls, that she trusted them and that she would never forgive them. The girls told her that they were going to go get help, but instead they left her there to die. Rather than wait around, Peyton began to crawl for her life. Unable to stand, she crawled little by little through the woods and made it to a road. She did this despite having stab wounds in her arms, legs, and torso. She was then found by a local cyclist who called 911. Just because Peyton had gotten help didn't mean she was in the clear. She was losing blood at a very alarming rate, and surgeons had to work furiously to save her life. One of the physicians even stated that she was just millimeters away from death. 
When Peyton finally came to, she was unable to speak. However, she used a pen and paper right away to tell her parents that she wanted to go home. And, of course, tell her side of the story. I didn't want to do this. Why did you do it then? I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't. Morgan and Anissa were found by police and brought in for questioning, it became rather clear that something wasn't right with both of them. Anissa cried for most of the interview, saying she feared for her life and didn't want to kill anyone. But Morgan had said it had to be done. Both girls initially said it was the other who stabbed Peyton. Eventually, however, Morgan would cop up to it and admitted she was the one that drove behind the attack. She repeatedly told police she didn't want to do it and that it wasn't her who had picked Peyton as the victim. It was Slenderman. She also went on to say that if she hadn't killed her, both Anissa's family and her family would have been killed by him. Throughout the rest of her interview, she would go on to say over and over again that it felt like stabbing her friend had just been necessary. I mean, she's not wrong. It's absolutely necessary if you want to spend the next, I don't know, uh, 20 to 65 years of your life behind bars. Then yeah, totally necessary. I mean, I'd say that's your golden ticket to arrive there. Otherwise, I see no situation in where that is necessary. Police say the suspects were inspired by a character on a website called Creepypasta, a site filled with scary stories. Now, the story they followed was about a character called Slenderman. A tall, fictional boogeyman featured on internet blogs. Slenderman, a faceless ghoul many parents have likely never heard of. If you don't know who Slenderman is, well, we didn't either, but plenty of young kids do. If you don't know what Slenderman is, you live under a rock. Who's that? generation has grown up with its own creepy ghoul, and some more believable than others. Like Jaws being in freshwater lakes. We know sharks actually can be in freshwater, because there are freshwater sharks, so that's a bit understanding. One I could see many people falling for. But then you have ones like what I grew up with, Bloody Mary and Candyman. Two ghouls that would come from your mirror if you called their name certain amount of times. And if you did summon them, when they came to your mirror, you would see your death or you would experience it. Now the tales like this that we grew up with, the monsters that lurked in the dark, these were told to us through friends and friends of friends and just passed on. Just something spooky to share with your friends to give them the creeps. And that brings us to Slenderman the villain in our tale. Okay, well, technically Anissa and Morgan are the villain, but like if you ask them, Slenderman is. Now Slenderman, in case you've been living under a rock, is pure product of electronic media. He appears in places we would rarely frequent. These days, sort of like abandoned buildings or crumbling halls, deep woods, a playground with like rickety steel equipment that's falling apart. Just your everyday average creepy suburban ghoul. He has his own story and his own tale of methodology. However, of course, he has now been shrouded in controversy. 
all due to these girls and the murder they committed in his name. In all truth, the tale that I'm telling you about Anissa and Morgan is horrible. It's a horrible story that underlies how little we understand about the psychology of a generation that is weaned on the internet and how our minds are so easily manipulated that images we consume can morph from fiction into our very own reality and cause us to commit the most heinous acts. Think about that next time you're scrolling through social media trying to decompress and shut down your brain. What are we really doing to it? Now, for sure, we can all agree that Anissa and Morgan should have probably took a 15-minute screen time break, or like a month-long one. However, they were so deep in the Slenderman lore that they genuinely believed that this fictional character would come for them and their families if they did not, in fact, take a life. And that life had to be Peyton. Now, I want you to grasp and comprehend that although they were following what they knew, a fictional character, somehow in their minds along the way, their reality became intertwined with this fake story. Now, I have a seven-year-old and he has encountered little videos of Slenderman. I have gone through and put a lot of parental controls on because it's it scared him. At seven, I can understand. I do have to explain to him a lot that these are fake. And at 12, if I had to encounter the same thing, I would do so. I would say this is fake and maybe we should just go ahead and cut you from this content. Like maybe I should just take Slenderman as a keyword away from anything that you encounter. However, Anissa and Morgan were so engulfed in it that I don't even think their parents fully realized the degree and damage of what was going on. But as stated, somewhere along the way, this Slenderman character became a very real component in these two lives. A component that would lead to attempted murder. When Morgan said to you that if, if we don't do this for Slender, um, our families are and loved ones are going to be killed, do you honestly believe that? Oh, yeah, because... He's, he could be anywhere from 6 feet to 14 feet tall. He constantly wears a suit. He doesn't have a face. His skin is white. And at his own will, he can, um, like, exploit these tendrils from his back. And, uh, like, strangle his victims. You ever met him? Not exactly. Tell me about him. He watches you. How does he watch you? He can read minds and he has teleportation skills. Why did you decide to stampede? It was necessary. Morgan pled guilty to attempted first-degree murder in October of 2017. Then, in early 2018, a judge sentenced her to 40 years in a mental hospital. Her lawyers argue that Morgan was a schizophrenic, and at the time of the stabbing, she believed that she could communicate with Slenderman. They said her condition was improving with the help of medicine and doctors, which is why the judge opted to sentence her to the hospital and not jail. Although both the girls were only 12 years old at the time that they stabbed Peyton, both of them were charged as adults. 
Typically, if a juvenile is accused of a crime, their case is tried in juvenile court, which offers them a lighter sentence. But in Wisconsin, all murder and attempted murder charges for kids older than 10 have to be in adult court. Right away, the lawyers for both girls made a move to transfer the case to juvenile court. By being charged as adults, they face charges for first-degree intentional homicide. Which, <laughs> let's face it, that's what they were going to do. But anyways, I digress. So with this, they could have up to a 65-year prison sentence. Despite multiple attempts to get the case moved to juvenile court or to have the charges lessened, judges repeatedly upheld the idea that because the crime was so violent, both girls should be tried as adults. Woo! Yes, I agree. I hate when I go through cases and I find that they're like, we should go lenient on them. They made a mistake. Yeah, a mistake that traumatized someone for the rest of their life or in some cases, a mistake that left somebody dead. That's not a mistake, that's called murder. Stop trying to wiggle around it. Did it seem to you at any point during your interview with Morgan that she was remorseful about what she had done? Absolutely none. Did she cry at all at any point during your interview of her? There was no emotion from her at all. Did you, after discussing the incident itself, have any conversation with Peyton about how she felt about Morgan and Anissa at this point? She said that Morgan should go to jail for the rest of her life and that Anissa should go to jail too, but not as long because she was involved, but she didn't stab her, she just stood there and watched. Initially, both girls seemed to be on the same team. However, the defense quickly changed their tune. In October of 2016, the defense moved for the girls to be tried separately from one another. Lawyers believe that because the girls had initially implicated each other as doing the stabbing, this might confuse the jurors. They also moved to have the trial someplace outside of the county where the girls both lived. But a judge quickly denied this. Then, in December of 2016, a judge agreed that having the girls tried separately was probably the best. Because in the long run, a joint trial case could pose legal risks. Anissa's trial happened first, where she spoke up about her friend Morgan, and gave all the horrifying details of her Slenderman obsession. Hi, Morgan. Morgan was a surprise and I, I didn't know how to feel about it at first, but I knew that I loved her. And she changed our lives drastically and for the better. Morgan's always been quirky and she's always marched to the beat of her own drum. Even from, from little on, she didn't care what people think about her. 
which I think is a wonderful trait, especially for, for a girl. And girls are usually so, so self-conscious and concerned about, about what other, others think of them. And Morgan was never like that. You know, she just, um, she always just did her own thing. And if people didn't like it, well, well, that was their problem. <laughs> Now, Morgan wasn't only fascinated by fantasy worlds. She was also particularly obsessed with the dark side and the villains of these worlds. In Harry Potter, she was very fond of Voldemort. You know, he who shall not be named. Potter, the boy who lived, come to die. I'm so sorry. Uh, TikTok has ruined me, guys. Anyways, let's just act like all that didn't happen. Morgan was so fond of Voldemort, which was my point, that she called him Voldy. You know, like her and him went out and got sandwiches. Yeah, what are you doing today, Morgan? I'm gonna go meet up with Voldy and we're gonna talk shop. We're gonna spill the tea of what's going on at Hogwarts. Or as I like to call it, Hoggy Way. Now, she wasn't just obsessed with fictional worlds. She was also very much into demons and devils. She would read about them and do research into them and was so fascinated by all things supernatural and evil. I mean, I kind of understand that. I do my own research into demons and all sorts of lore and I love it. Doesn't mean for a second if like I accidentally summoned one or all of a sudden my mind meshed with my reality so well I thought that there was one like right in front of me and being like, you know what you gotta do for me today? Uh, well first I feel like I should get you some water, maybe offer you some ice. You look sweaty. How long have you been down in hell? Besides that, what do you need, buddy? I need you to kill someone for me. Ooh, close. I mean, if you would have asked for my soul for like perpetual wealth, probably because have you seen gas prices these days in like supermarkets? It's scary out there. But uh, murder, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass. Oh, you're gonna torture me in hell if I say no? Can't be any worse than what I've got up here. All right, have a good day. <laughs> See you never. You know, I mean, I feel like it's that simple. Now, Morgan was a tad bit more obsessive than most people who are just interested in things. She was known to draw Slenderman while just hanging out in public. Uh, that's nothing really weird. My son draws Huggy. If you don't know who that is, well, great, because it hasn't perpetrated your house. I have had to block him on everything. Now, besides these weird little drawings that she would do, she would also dismember her Barbie dolls and other toys in her room. She wouldn't just break them apart, by the way. She would, like, draw little marks on them as if they were, like, little sacrifices. Aww. <laughs> Sounds like the sweetest little demon ever. She would also continue drawing images of Slenderman, telling people that he was everywhere and that he was always watching. Always watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Her internet history also showed that she looked up how to kill someone and perform blood rituals. Listen, I am not someone to judge on what makes you happy and what you enjoy consuming. But like, all I'm saying is every once in a while, put on something warm and fuzzy. I don't know, like a Disney movie. Or like, go sit in the Harmony Cabin. If it worked for Wednesday Addams, it can work for you. Now here's something we need to understand about Morgan. Her idol was Spock. She was a massive Star Trek fan. Side note, Star Wars for life! <clears throat> Sorry, I just lost all of my Trekkie audience. 
Now, she looked up to Spock as a sort of mentor, someone that would teach her how to suppress her negative emotions, which means she knew right from wrong, and she knew these, these feelings that she had weren't exactly normal, and that maybe, even though she was in her own fantasy world, she probably shouldn't be acting on her weird, deep, dark desires. And I don't want one person send me an email saying, how dare you call that 12-year-old girl's little desires weird? Uh, she tried to kill someone. I'd say that's weird. If I asked my 13-year-old today, hey, what's like something you just really want to do in life? And he looked at me and straight up was like, oh my god, I would love to do this blood ritual and sacrifice for Slenderman. I'd be like, okay, uh, <laughs> that's weird. And also, we should go talk to somebody, like, right now. Okay, cool. So, like, please don't send me an email being like, that was just really rude. Because some of you guys get really mad at me for being the messenger. Like, let me pause real fast and just tell you guys this really quick. I had one person send me an email forever ago being like, I can't believe you said that that happened to them. Why would you say that they were choked and then stabbed? All I thought was, uh, because that's what happened. This person got so mad at me for sharing what was done to another person. It like verbatim what the autopsy report said and everything. And yet I, I was some sort of villain. Anyways, so like, just don't come for me. Okay guys, thank you. Let's continue. One thing about Morgan that always struck us as a little odd was that she she didn't react the way that you would expect her to react, um, like at the movies. Like if something bad happened to the main character, she she wouldn't have empathy for them. Bambi, come here. Look, new spring grass. I remember watching Bambi with her for the first time. We were so worried to watch it with her because we thought she was going to be so upset, you know, when the when the mother died. Bambi, quick, the thicket! The mother died, and Morgan just said, Run, Bambi, run, get out of there, save yourself. <laughs> you know, and she wasn't sad about it. We made it! We made it, Mother! Wait. Mother! And I could think of, you know, a lot of other examples along those lines where she hasn't reacted and in the way that we would expect a, a little girl to react. On top of Morgan's dark obsessions with the fantasy world and all the villains that come with them, Morgan's parents didn't seem to discourage her love of the morbid. They bought her clothing with skeletons and dark symbols on them, and her father seemed amused when she drew Slenderman on napkins in restaurants. They kind of encouraged her behavior. I think because at the time, it didn't seem as though it was harmful. It was her escape, and as a parent, you do want your kids to be happy, and they probably didn't see any harm at that point. They seemed to know a lot about her love for the dark and unusual, however. 
and they didn't think anything of it. All teens and preteens do tend to go through weird phases. I mean, I definitely did. In fact, I'm still in it. Luckily for Morgan though, her parents didn't really hate any sort of dark, unusual, or gothic phases. Not like most parents, at least. Their Facebook pages reveal imagery for dark metal as well as fairies, and contain references to gothic source material. Morgan's father in particular posted images of skulls and skeletons and his email contained the words, I love evil. All this being said, there are many teens and parents who immerse themselves in a gothic lifestyle. Some of us even like the music of the devil, METAL! And we even like some odd and morbid imagery. I mean, I have skeleton imagery all over my house. I have a lot of gothic aesthetic going on. However, just because there are parents out there with this mindset that also want their kids to be happy and enjoy themselves doesn't mean that they are like, oh sure, we're totally okay with you stabbing a friend and uh, losing complete track of reality. Morgan and Anissa's parents certainly didn't encourage them to go out and kill their friend. So what made Morgan and Anissa decide that this was necessary? Morgan was interested in Slender Man. She would show us some of the characters and some of the, the stories. While I wasn't thrilled about her interest, I didn't really see the harm in it either. We never thought for a moment that she, she could possibly believe that it was real. When I was Morgan's age, I... I remember biking home from the library with Stephen King's It, you know, so I liked that sort of thing too when I was her age, and I think most kids her age do like scary stories and horror movies and scary stories on the internet, you know, so that's all that we, that's all that we thought that it was. A massive part of this case is that both Morgan and Anissa claim that they have mental illness. In 2014, Morgan was found unfit to stand trial, and psychologists at the mental health institute she was sent to found that she had serious mental illness. They found that she had early onset schizophrenia and oppositional defiant disorder, which affected her at the time of the crime, as well as would continue to do so afterwards. While being interviewed about her illness, she said that she felt Slenderman wanted her to kill, and she would kill for him again, at least if she was instructed to do so. Specialists said that without treatment, she would remain dangerous. There was some debate that she may have been faking her mental illness, but multiple psychologists say that this is highly unlikely. Later that same year, a judge found that she and Anissa were both competent to stand trial, and the court proceeded. In February of 2018, Morgan was sentenced to 40 years in a mental facility. Anissa went to stand trial and was found by a jury to be mentally ill at the time of the attack. Given that she felt her family and her own personal safety were in danger, Anissa developed shared delusional disorder. She joined in on Morgan's complete fantasy and out-of-touch reality world, and this drove her to become violent. Yes, this is Anissa's very pink bedroom. At the 
time we painted this, you know, pink was the thing. Anissa's his person. Tiger is Anissa's cat. After Anissa left, he would come up here and he'd spend a lot of time just walking around, nosing around, looking for Anissa. You know, nobody uses the bed while she's gone. You know, I don't know, maybe the cat does. But I guess it just made more sense to take everything apart and wash it. And when she comes home, it's all clean and ready to go. In 2017, Anissa's trial began. She changed her plea to guilty in exchange for a lesser charge. Anissa pled guilty to attempted second-degree homicide as a party to a crime with use of a deadly weapon, but maintained that she was mentally ill at the time of the crime. So this means that she was not technically responsible. The jury's job was to decide if she was or was not mentally ill. In September of 2017, the jury decided that she was indeed mentally ill, and she was sentenced to 25 years in a mental hospital. Her state would be checked every six months after that, and she would not be released until she was fully mentally sound. Peyton's family voiced disappointment about the ruling, fearing that Peyton's safety and her own mental health could be in danger. In July of 2021, Anissa, now 19, was ordered release. She stated in a letter to the courts that she is no longer a threat. Quote, by petitioning the court for condition release, I am not saying that I am done with my treatment. I am saying that I exhausted all my resources available to me at Winnebago Mental Health Institute. If I am to become a productive member of society, I need to be a part of society. She continued to say that she plans to, quote, give back to the community by doing good, and that she wants to, quote, help others who are dealing with mental struggles as they are not alone. On September 13, 2021, Anissa was released from the mental hospital to live with her father. Her internet use has been monitored, and she is subject to 24-7 GPS monitoring. Monitoring, sorry. <laughs> Words, am I right? She also must continue to receive psychiatric treatment as stated upon her release. They just wanted to go on a walk and I didn't think much of it. It's just a walk. It's in Waukesha. Like, what bad stuff happens in Waukesha, Wisconsin? Peyton was stabbed 19 times and left for dead by her own friends, who later blamed the fictional character Slenderman. Morgan handed me the knife, and then I started to count again. When I was five feet away, I said, now, go ballistic, go crazy, stab, 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 stab. The suspect lured the victim into the woods. All three of the girls are 12 years old. Have you ever heard of two 12-year-old girls planning for six months to kill one of their best friends? The whole time, Peyton was screaming through agony. I didn't want to do this. All of this leaves one final glaring question. What became of Peyton? While Peyton hasn't talked a lot about her experience and the crime, she has become a happy and healthy young woman. She's done well in her studies, even participating in advanced placement courses. And despite her experience with her not-so-great best friends, she is still social with others. 
During her recovery, she received notes of support from all over the world, including a veteran sending her a purple heart. When Peyton was asked how she managed to crawl and get any help, she answered with simply, I wanted to live. And that is the incredible story of the Slenderman murder. Which, by the way, also, I find it really odd it's called Slenderman murder because Peyton didn't actually die. But like, tomato tomato, am I right? Take over your mind, seep into your brain. How much time is left before you go insane? Am I a man or a monster? Come close, you give to me getting stronger. Like sheep getting led to the slaughter. The bell goes three times, then I gotcha. Step into my domain at your own risk. Show me you're not afraid, stay focused. No, this is not a game or some moment. Say my name, fighting me, it's so blessed. to the end of our case. I hope you guys enjoyed the case of the Slenderman murder, which again, I don't even understand why it's called that because Peyton didn't die. I don't know who names these things, but I got a bone to pick with them. Anyways, as always guys, if you have a case, a story, or something that you find interesting and you want me to look into, send me an email. You can do so at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. But until next time, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and week. As always, I'll meet you on the next episode of What the Actual F, where I'll tell you a tale of some dark murder, maybe a strange disappearance, a spooky haunting, or you may need your tinfoil hats because we may dive into a conspiracy. Whatever the case I'll have for you, I'll be here next week on the next episode of What the Actual F. I love you guys and stay safe, because remember, I never want to tell a tale about you. All right, well, <laughs> bye!